In the grand theater of life, we all seek a comeback, a resurgence, a rekindling of our inner fire. But how do we spark that flame? Welcome to Reignite Resilience. This is not just another podcast. This is a journey, a venture into the heart of human spirit, the power of resilience, and the art of reigniting our passions. Welcome back to another episode of Reignite Resilience. I am your co-host, Natalie Davis, and I am joined by Pam Cass. Pam, how's it going? It is fantastic. It is Thursday, and I'm very excited about that. We've always made it. I'm, I mean, I don't know what we're making it to, but we're there. Uh, you know, we're, we're both in real estate, so we're not really making it anywhere. It just no. feels good to say it. It just feels good to say. Yeah. And unlike some folks that like get to the finish line, which is a little tie into our session for today. But yes, yeah, we're I don't know if we ever see a finish line. No, we don't. (laughs) Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. This beautiful game of life. No, I am I am grateful. I am grateful for all of the activity I mean early activity that we're seeing just in our businesses, within the real estate industry, organizations and companies that are as I like to say, getting their lives together, which is always nice. <laughs> they are getting their lives together this year. And so it's good. So it's I'm, awesome. I'm really grateful to be a part of that. But without further ado, we have a special it. guest today. We do. And I'm super yes. excited about this. Well, why don't you introduce our guest to the listeners? Let's okay. just dive in. I would love to. So today we have joining us Alexis Hassman. She is an endurance coach, business owner, mom of two, and ultra runner. If you don't know what an ultra runner is, we're going to share that with you today. Her passion is leading people to accomplish goals they never believed possible. Alexa is also an every town survivor fellow, leading the cause to end gun violence in America. So such an amazing cause. And we're excited because Alexa was introduced to us by one of our past guests on the podcast, uh, Beth Killen. If you guys remember her telling us her story about running her marathon. So this is her coach. And so Beth thought we should be introduced. And I'm so grateful that we have been. So Alexa, thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to share with a guest about what ultra marathon running is and just about you and and your passion and your cause yeah, yeah. No, thank you so much for having me and I'm excited yeah. to share about it so yeah yeah, yeah. so kind of tell us about yourself yeah who are you what got you involved in that cause talk to us about your journey to become an ultra marathonist so yeah okay yeah, so if you don't know, an ultra marathon is any distance over a 50K, which is 30 miles. And so that ranges from a 50K up to we're looking at 300 mile races. So mm-hmm. typically, people that run ultra marathons do a 50K, 50 mile, 100 miler. And then we have the more extreme cases of the 200, 250, and 300 mile races. I've been a coach for 15 years. So I've been doing it for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And I have my own business here in Southwest Portland. And then I also coach for uphill athlete, coaching mountaineers and other endurance athletes. Mm-hmm. So I got into coaching just because I've been a runner my whole life. Mm-hmm. And that sort of evolved into ultra running when I found my love of trails. Mm-hmm. You know, I did the half marathons and the marathons. And then I went out into the trails and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a whole new world. You get to see so many things and animals and trees and views. And it really beats running on the road all the time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So mm-hmm. I sort of fell in love with that and the pain of being out there and the suffering of being out there for hours and hours and hours. So you I fell was, in love with that portion of it. I yes, did. yes. I found something <laughs> easy to fall in love with. Yeah. <laughs> There's something special about like getting to that point where you're just like so deep in the forest that you know, like nobody can get a hold of you. It makes everything seem so small around you, especially when you reach like the top of a climb and you're like looking out at this like expansive space and you're like, do my worries really even matter? You know, do the emails that I'm not responding to right now even matter? No, they don't. And it's really sort of life-changing and therapeutic. So yeah, that's how I got into ultra running. It's part of my coaching. It's what I do on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's that side of it. And then the every town survivor part of it is sort of a bigger story in that just last year and March 19th, my big brother was shot in a drive-by shooting. And so I got that call, a call that you really never expect to get ever. No. Right? Your brother's been shot. Like, wait, what? Right. How do you even process that? And it was up in, he lives in Bellevue, Washington. And I don't know if you guys know about Bellevue, but it's a nice area. It's, you you never think about that stuff. So went up to be by his side for a few weeks while he was in a coma. He lost three people's worth of blood. They didn't know if he was going to live for a while. Lost a few organs, lots of damage to him physically. And that really changed my mindset again on what really matters in this world really sort of drove me to drove me to really want to fight for ending gun violence because this is happening just way too often and i hate when i kiss my kids goodbye at the school bus Mm -hmm. being worried about whether they're going to come home or when i drop them off at the synagogue you know them having to be escorted in by armed police officers and so it's like what can we do to make sure that gun violence isn't happening in America. Yeah. So that's sort of my mission in running these ultras now is to sort of drive that awareness of gun violence because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are like how I used to be. This is never going to happen to me. I live in Southwest Portland. Like it's a safe area. Nothing's going to happen. You don't know. You just don't know. Gun violence is everywhere, unfortunately. And so what can we do to make sure that we're putting ourselves in safer situations? Our guns are in safe places all that sort of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. And you're so right. When things are removed from us, we just think of, well, that's not my problem. It's, it's somewhere else. It's, it's not going to impact me. And it's not until we get to be in the trenches of it. And we feel that, that it really becomes real. And then it's like, whoa, I know what this feels like now. Very scary. Wow. Okay. Okay. You're training for a ultra marathon right now. So tell us about that. Yeah, I'm training for a race called Cocodona 250, and it runs from Phoenix to Flagstaff on the trails. It's 250 miles, and it's going to be pretty amazing. I think it's about 40,000 feet of climbing. And again, with that mission to just let people know what they can do to fight gun violence, and then hoping to raise about $10,000 for the Mm -hmm. cause. Last year during my Bigfoot 200, we raised $6,000, which bought the state of Oregon 1,200 safety locks for guns to be passed out all over the place, which was amazing and a huge step towards preventing unnecessary deaths from accidental gunshot. Right. Absolutely. So is this a race that you started or is this an already an organization that's established that you're doing or this a solo race? Yeah, it's already a race organization and it is, you know, they have 
lot, maybe 200, 300 people that'll be racing in it. And we just sort of struggle our way through four or five, six, seven days and, and get to that finish line. Okay. So this is trail running trails. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. And I, and I actually had never done trail running and I was in Sedona and did a trail run and I would agree. I would rather do trail runs than just run on the street. It's, it's, there's something different about it. When you're running on the street, it's just almost methodical. It's just like one foot in front of the other. When you're running on a trail, it's like you have to watch every step where you're stepping. So it's way more mentally challenging, but way more fun. So I can totally see how you could get addicted. Am I going to run 250 miles? That's a no. Thank you. Um, two miles. <laughs> That's to start. Maybe, That's maybe two and a half miles. <laughs> you never and know. Alexa, how long is that race? We're, we're looking at 250 miles. That's what you're training for now. How, do, how long does that span? So, well, my last 200 was just, it was just 200 miles, but there was a lot more vertical gain. It was out by Mount St. Helens. And so, and that took me about 92 hours. So I'm hoping to hit around that realm with Cocodona 252, knowing that it's going to be a little bit different for sure. You know, so Bigfoot, which is the 200 that I did last year was, it was 20 mile chunks before you could see your crew and support. And so because at big races like this, you get to see a crew. Yeah. It's sort of like okay. when you think of like a race car driving, it's like a pit stop. They change out your pack and your food and they feed you and they s- help you stop crying and they like yes. bandage up your feet. <laughs> um, so this one, I get to see my crew a little bit more often, which is helpful because I don't have to carry yeah. like 30 pounds worth of water and food on me. So it's going to be a little bit different. So I'm aiming for that, that 92-ish hours or so. Yeah. Well, I love that you just said that one was just 200 miles. I know. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, Pam. I think if you're running it 200 miles versus 250 miles, it's just 200 miles. miles. (laughs) I'm just like, absolutely. Yeah. And so you train people so that want to do marathons, half marathons, I guess, ultra marathons as well. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Somebody comes to you, I've never run before. What does that look like? What is that journey for a person? Yeah, that's a good question. It's really based on what their goals are and their background of fitness. So everybody's goals are so different. I also coach mountaineering clients. So people that are climbing some of the biggest mountains in the world. And mm-hmm. so we look at what are you aiming to achieve? What's your time frame for that? How mm-hmm. possible is that? And where do we start based off of those? answers right so if somebody comes and says that they want to do a half marathon in six months likely that's going to be okay based off of their previous history Mm -hmm. injuries anything like that if they say that they want to run a hundred miler and they haven't been doing anything and they have 12 weeks and you know we're going to have a different discussion of like Mm -hmm. hey maybe let's change our goals a little bit and we can work our way up to that hundred mile distance but let's start with yeah dk So when we talk about resilience and, you know, going through adversity, I'm assuming when you are training people to do these marathons, do these ultra marathons, challenges that they face, are there things, are there tools, are there ways that you help them through those challenges to be able to continue forging forward? Yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of what I focused the last few years of my career on. I went back to school, got a master or dual masters in exercise science and sports psychology. And I really wanted to focus on the psychological aspect of it, especially when we're doing, you know, half marathons, marathons, ultra marathons, climbing mountains, 
there's a level of mental fortitude that needs to come into play. And so we really need to talk to ourselves kindly. We really need to change how we're thinking when we're out there. We need to reframe our obstacles. There's a lot of tools that go into like making it successful and most importantly, enjoyable because we can suffer through a half marathon, a marathon or an ultra, but why don't we enjoy it and change our mindset to make sure that is enjoyable. So there's a lot of tools that we use for that. Can you give us a couple of those tools? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I see is self-talk. I have so many clients that come into this, like I'm so slow. I suck at this. Mm. I can't do this. And so it's really about switching your self-talk. And I always say, we start with stopping the negative self-talk. And for me, that looks like, saying to myself, stop, like literally physically saying, stop. Yeah. And then reframing that instead of I'm too slow, let's reframe that into a more positive thing. Mm -hmm. I'm out here and I'm running and there are so many people that aren't running and I'm able to run. And there's so many people that cannot run. And I am out here. It does not matter what my pace is. It does not matter who's watching me, anything like that. So I'm reframing that self-talk. And so that's the biggest tool that I use most often with people okay. is reframing how those negative thoughts are coming into their head. Love it. That's such a huge piece, Alexa. I actually had this conversation with a client earlier today talking about going slower. So for you, it's, you know, runners in terms of the pace and, and this is just slowing down, you know, because you're, you're getting the fatigue and things of that nature. And it's amazing how... We naturally gravitate to going slower means you're not as successful or, right? So even if you are a slow runner, you can still be successful in completing the race, right? The goal is not pace unless your goal is pace, but it's completion in most cases. Like, can you do it? Do you have the ability to do it? You definitely aren't. If at mile 100, you start to think, I'm too slow to get this done, then getting in your own way. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that comes up with the 100s and the 200s is you add in fatigue, right? Yes. So you sleep fatigue, like you are falling asleep on the trails, like you are exhausted. And that mental negative self-talk is amplified. And you're in the forest by yourself at night. And so you're like, well, I'm going to be eaten by a cougar. I'm just going to just die right here. So like, how do you get away from that self-talk? It takes a lot of practice. Yeah. And resilience yeah. and reminding yourself, I've put in the training. I've been in this spot before. I can do this. I've made it through my hardest training days. Yeah. All that work that I worked for has gotten me to this point. So what's the point of sitting here and suffering and thinking all these negative things, right? Yeah. Right now is the celebration of all the training that I just did. Yeah. That should yeah. be the process. Yeah. Wow. And, and I'm assuming you found yourself in those times where you're running those hundred mile, 200 miles, where you get to that, you hit almost hit that wall. Oh and yeah. Are you just kind of talking your, all right, one foot in front of the other, just keep going. You've got this. Are you kind of just talking yeah. yourself through it? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I mean, it's in one hundreds and two hundreds, you hit that wall several times. So yeah. you're like, keep bouncing off of it and you'll get to your crew and you'll be like, Oh, I feel so much better. I'm uh, ready to go. And then you'll be like slurring your words and falling off the trail and crying. And, you know, one of the biggest memories I have from my 200 mile race was as running with one of my pacers. And I thought we were like super close to the aid station. I was so tired. I just wanted to like take a quick nap and eat food. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, we've got like, what, like two miles to the aid station. And he looked at me, he's like eight. 
And that doesn't seem like a lot, but that crushed. No, that's a lot. Oh, yeah. That crushed my soul. And so I had to like sit there for a second and be like, it's okay. You're okay. It's eight miles. You've done 160. You got to get your butt up off the ground. You can't yeah. sit here crying. No matter what, you have to keep going. It's the right, same thing yeah. I told my son when we were skiing the other day. He just wanted to stop in the middle of the slope. I'm like, well, then we're going to live on the mountain. So what <laughs> do you want to live on the mountain or do you want to get down to the bottom where there's yes. like maybe a burger? Okay. Yes. So it's the same thought process of like, well, I can't just stay in the woods. I have to keep moving. And it's yeah. the same thing with half marathons and marathons. Sure, you could pull off to the side and drop out and call an Uber, but yeah. that's not going to be good for anybody, right? Anyone. Slow down, take a second, breathe, reset yourself, have a snack, always the key, have a snack yeah. and keep yeah. going. It's usually have a snack. That's a good rule of thumb just for all of life, all not just humans. if you're training. Yes. Yeah. Have a, have a snack. Children, everybody, yeah. just yes. have a snack. Just have yeah. a snack. The irony in that, Alexa, is I'm the person that usually always has a snack. So if you ever need a snack, I typically have one in my bag or in my car. I have snacks. <laughs> now we do. We didn't used to. But yes. now now we've learned our lesson that we always yeah. have snacks. I mean, a snack can turn everything around. So right. yeah, it can turn everything. Have you found yourself using some of the tools that you've learned in sports psychology with your children when you get to a place like exactly what you just mm-hmm. said where they're sitting on the side of the mountain they're like I'm done I'm not doing this exactly <laughs> yeah it's, it's a little bit harder with our own kids though you know because they're like well it's mom like what does she know but who I cares that she has a double masters no one thinks about no, that. nobody cares yes. when, you're, when you're a kid nobody cares yeah no no one cares. she's been coaching for 15 years she doesn't know yes. she doesn't know nothing yeah. but yeah I definitely I try really hard with my daughter because she has a lot of really strong anxiety and yeah. and so I try to talk her through it because you know, I have really bad anxiety too and I've had to work my way through that so I try and coach her but again it's just you know they don't want to listen to me about it because it's like well you don't know you don't know what I'm going through so I tried to tend them towards more professional help in that situation because same with like the coaches with my son's like sports he does not care what I say so it's like Joe Bro over here that has never played baseball but is coaching him could tell him anything and he will believe he'll it. He'll cling it. to it. Yes. Do I, know? <laughs> I, know, I know nothing. So, yes. yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you've struggled with anxiety. Has that been since you were a child? Has has it gotten easier as you've gotten older? Has was running something you got into to help with anxiety or what have what have you done for that? Yeah, I have struggled with it a lot since I was a kid and I always say I didn't talk until I was like 18 like I just like had such bad social anxiety I like just did not talk people thought I was mute at school and teased me relentlessly and I don't know what changed in my brain chemistry and now I like don't stop talking but yeah I was debilitatingly anxious and running was all that I had as a kid that sort of made me people know that I wasn't just this mute kid walking around school that's what I was known as was like the runner, that run, that quiet runner girl. So yeah. the anxiety was also really debilitating for running because I didn't want to go out and run because I didn't want people to see me running. So it actually held me back for a lot of years too. And I stopped running for several years because I have this great fear of being watched, like people seeing me and, and laughing at me or thinking things mm-hmm. about me. And mm-hmm. so I stopped running for so long because of that. And now that I'm doing it again, I sort of look back 
And of course, medication helps. I'm on anti-anxiety medication. But looking back and being sad that like I let it hinder me for so long, like who cares what these people think? I don't care what, you know, that person driving down the street is saying about me. Like who cares? I don't know them. I will never see them again. And so I've got to let those limiting beliefs stop me from doing what I love. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think part of that is the trails are, are really isolated. So it helps with that totally. a lot. Too. Yeah. So nobody's, nobody's watching you. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I mean, that's something so common for us when we're young, you know, and if as an adult, we could go back and tell our younger selves, who cares what they say, who cares mm-hmm. what they think. But yeah. when you're in the moment, that's it. That's it's all. hard to see that. Consuming. It's really hard to see that. And if my mom came and said that, Oh, who cares what I said? I wouldn't, none of us would listen to right. our parents or to anybody because in our minds, we don't want to be judged. No. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Alexa, was the, the Bigfoot your first ultra then? Or had you, no. or is that the longest ultra that you've done so far? Yeah, that's the longest one that I've done. But I've done a lot of ultras. I have no idea how many, but a lot. What prompted you to, to strive for 200 miles? What was it that clicked for you that you said, this is what I'm doing? I'm not really quite sure. I know that I was running a hundred mile race that had been canceled and I was just running it on my own with my friends. And I was I'm, like, I'm oh. sorry, hold on. So it's not an official race. You just decided to run through the woods. <laughs> well, the race was canceled four days before. So I was like, I've already been training. I'm, I'm doing run. this. Yeah. yeah. Can I just say, I love that. Thank you yes. for doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, was, it was a beautiful experience. It was. And and also horrible at the same time because yes. you know you're like there's no real official finish line here I'm not no. getting anything at the end but no. it was still fun but yeah I remember being like well shoot I gotta put another race on my calendar because how it works in the ultra world is you have to do all these qualifiers to try and get into all these other races there's like all okay. these stepping stones yeah so it's like shoot I gotta do another one the only one I can think of is Bigfoot 200 and that sounds terrible I don't want to do that ever and so at that moment, I decided I'm never going to do a 200 miler. A few weeks later, once I forgot how horrible running a hundred miler was, I was like, all right, let's do 200. Let's do, let's double that. Yeah. So that's how it happened. And then with the 250, it was almost the same thing. I got COVID right after Bigfoot and I was sitting in, in bed, suffering away. And I was like, I'm just going to sign up for a 250 miler and I'm going to make that my purpose. We hope that you have enjoyed part one of our two-part interview with Alexa Hasman. What an amazing coach. When we talk about endurance, she's got it. And she's able to find that in her coaching clients that she's working with all around the world. And I knew all along having snacks can change just about any situation. But make sure that you come back and join us for part two as we continue to learn more about all that it takes to train for an ultra marathon and also hear about some of the curveballs that may get thrown your way if you happen to go down that path. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Reignite Resilience. We hope that you had amazing ahas and takeaways. Remember to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform, like it and download the upcoming episodes. And if you know anyone in your life that is looking to continue to ignite their resilience, share it with them. We look forward to seeing you on our future episodes. And until then, continue to reignite that fire within your hearts.